Hello and welcome to the Horror House Podcast. I'm Dave. And I am Chris. We are two dudes that like to talk about horror from movies to real life. And tonight, Dave, we're talking books, movies, TV, and radio. And some real life. And so, yeah, that is, this is true. Uh, we're running the gamut. And it's uh, all about the War of the Worlds, which is something I, I've been dying to do this episode I, almost since we started. So here we are. Here we are, finally. This, this is um, such a big topic. We are really biting off a lot here just leaving it open to like everything war of the worlds but uh yeah we're, we're trying to give it to you clearly we're going to hit a couple things in more in depth than others and clearly i mean this is one of the most republished books um that that ever has been i read it's um, never been out of print yeah i i have read that Which i have read that so uh suck it bible <laughs> Um, but War of the Worlds, and it's such an amazing time to cover this. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday, the day after we have people testifying in open Congress, um, about the existence of, um, recovered craft from, from an alien world and Chris recovered biologics yes non-human biologics like what does that mean i am it's fuck it's crazy times which if you want to hear a little more prior to those hearings just a couple weeks we did a we did one of our uh world-renowned ufo uap mm-hmm. uh real life horror episode if you want to check that out go go world to that. famous uh but i mean or just stick around and listen to some more of the worlds, or you can change it up. It's up to you. It's your, it's your, uh, it's your ears. But stay with the horror house because, you know, why would you not? <laughs> We're giving you what you need: electrolytes. It's what plants crave. Oh God. Brown, br- hey Bronte? Chris, Bronte. What was that called? What? Yes, Bronte. I think it was Bronte. Uh. How about we hit an ad and jump into it? Because we've got a lot to cover tonight. We are back, and let's just get right into it. Um, before we get into H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, I don't know that I knew that it was the first Alien Invasion book or, if, or what, but it, I certainly knew it was one of the first. But there was... I don't know if you know this, Dave, or, or Rabble, but there was a book just uh, how many years? Six years uh, prior to War of the Worlds by Robert Potter, an Australian clergyman, who uh, his book, The Germ Growers, came out in 1892. And uh, it, it has kind of, a, from what I've read, a little bit of a, a invasion of the body snatchers kind of a thing going on. Okay. Which is, I mean, to be the first uh, of, of that kind, obviously it's not as widely regarded as the War of the Worlds, but there was something before War of the Worlds, which I was, I was like, I have to bring it up, even if just in passing. So. Okay. 
Here's your roses. I did not. Robert Potter. I did not know that. And so uh, now we know, and knowing is half the battle. Absolutely. Um, I know that um, the War of the Worlds was um, first published in 18-something? The... 1898, um, 1898, but it may have been prior to, you know how some uh, authors will like kind of piecemeal their novel into parts for like magazines or like those kind of Reader's uh -huh. Digest-y kind of things. I swear I read something about that um, with H.G. Wells, like it got published in a thing before it was its actual own book. And, uh, I think Rabble, I think I did read that. Uh, you HG Wells experts can uh, clarify that, but and I mean even that still is a big thing for authors, which it seems as a as a musician, you know, I want to put stuff together in a package, and like this song has to follow this song, has to follow that song. It's 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 precisely the way you want it. So when you uh, split it up like that, it's still chronologically, right? But it intrigues me. Uh, I mean, but if you break it up into a magazine, that's kind of like, like releasing singles. Which, it, oh, uh, it doesn't point. feel like that gets done as much these days. Good point. Um, I could be wrong ex until the newest Metallica and there were several singles released prior to that um, third of an album being dropped. Um, that is a good point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the canals, the canals on Mars were first discovered in 1877. So I think that's really seems like when astronomy and, and, and the public consciousness really took off of, you know, hey, Mars might be Civilized planet. You know, we have these canals. Now, what year was that? Now we know that they're not, but. 1878, you said? 1877. 77. Giovanni so. Chia So, and a young H.G. Wells would have been 11 years old at that time. Very impressionable age for a young boy. Maybe that had, uh, maybe if he caught wind of that, maybe that sparked a little thing in the back of his brain, perhaps. Oh yeah, I mean that had to take um, drive the public at, at large wild with speculation and um, and wonder. So I was I can't type, Chris. Um, I don't know if you know that. Are you a hunter um, and a pecker? Not I am not a not, I'm not calling you a pecker, Dave. I mean like I, I'm a I'm. I'm a I'm a little bit of a pecker. Um, that's not so. a that's not a uh, term people use to put down people anymore. It just seems like a lost put down. Yeah, yeah. you pecker, uh, you peckerhead. Sorry, sorry. This I is prefer I'm if making. I'm going to go that route. I prefer uh, jive turkey. I love that. <laughs> I feel like that really gets them. Um, <clears throat> so if I look. Um, 1985, I was 11 years old, and what was discovered when I was 11? Um, well, the first proof of DeBrangen's 
uh, theorem, which is the mathematical theorem, was released that year. The first published proof of the no wandering domain theorem. Oh, more mathematical theorems. You know that sparks a boy's wonder. Okay. Um, okay. okay. Carl Sagan's contact was released that year. Um, I knew nothing about it. Uh, the first artificial heart patient left the hospital in February. So I think he actually got the heart in 84, left the hospital in February 85. Um, I, there's just, you know, I have you beat Dave. Sure. I, what, what was discovered? What was, uh, invented or discovered when you were 11, Chris? Uh, this can't be right. Because the internet was alive before 1994 when I was 11. But this uh, Business Insider article would have you believe that the World Wide Web was born uh, in 1994. I guess maybe in that iteration of it, perhaps? Um, I, I would say that's probably... Because I guess before that it was a, it was a, it was a different thing, but... Uh, that I would say that certainly influenced me, the internet, but I didn't get it uh, for another like fucking seven years. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, just the idea that that exists at that time. Um, um, yeah. What, but, what year um, were you? What year were you 11? 94. Oh, God damn, Chris. I'm an old ass man. I, I'm, I, we're both old, different degrees of old. <laughs> But we didn't have, uh, we didn't come up with one of our uh, great uh, works between the two of us based on something that happened when we were 11. We're kind of throwing a, a shot in the dark to say that he, <laughs> the, the discovery of Mars canals influenced H.G. Wells. Maybe they didn't, but. Uh, I mean, I, I ha I'm going to believe that they did until his ghost appears before me and tells me otherwise. That is fair. That is fair. Um, so I should, before we get too deep into the HG Wells of it all, um, if you've listened to, uh, our earlier episodes on Lovecraft, uh, you know that we respect the artwork, the art of, of these guys, but we can still criticize the artist and, some of their ways and though wells was kind of progressive in ways and like wanting this utopia and equality he was weirdly into eugenics <laughs> it, and um yeah. I, I mean we talk about things like these were not dumb guys so part of that is a product of their time and if they were around today you could only assume that that wouldn't quite be what they would be buying into. I mean, you know, it's, it's you have to judge people by the time they were. It's a, a big. They factor. came up, you know, and, yeah. and and that does that has such a factor on somebody's belief system and and uh, things like that. But also, and and this is a, another Davism. I I can't express this enough. Don't fucking hero worship. Don't hero worship. Yeah, people you don't know. You know that's just just your best bet. You can really like somebody's work, like and and really like the 
shit that they create. Don't hero worship the person, you know, they're they're still a person. They're still flawed. Um except Cronenberg, who well, I have a shrine of now. Uh Cronenberg taught me how to fuck. So. <laughs> um there's that. Uh, I really hope that there is somebody that finds us on, on some platform. And it's like, I love H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. And this is like a, like this chronological thing for this podcast episode. This sounds cool. And then they get to a certain point and they're like, these guys are filthy mouthed. What Damn. am I listening to? And then at that point, we've done our job. And it's all it's all gravy and rainbows, but that pleases me. <laughs> but that said, the H.G. Wells uh, preface, yes, he had his controversies when you read into that stuff. But we're looking at the work and the adaptations of it. So that said, let's get into the War of the Worlds. Dave, uh, did you read this as a kid? I feel like. Big sci-fi yes. horror kids. This is a, this is a thing. Because yes, I, I, I did read this. I did read this. Yes. And I have a a copy of a printing of it, and I tried to look for a date, and I couldn't find it. It's a Whitman classic. It's not really worth anything. I mean, I found it um the exact same book on the Amazons and Ebay's. Um, for as, as little as you know, six bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the care. So it's not really worth anything, but it is to me. So this yeah. has been in. It, it, if you open the inside cover, it's got Turner's, which is my grandparents' name. Um, oh, it's got cool. their address and phone number wow. in Indianapolis, Indiana, and um, so it. It is old. I like this is from my like when my mom was a kid and and um wait, is that when they lived next to Jim Jones? And that is when they lived oh. next to Jim Jones of oh Jim God. Jones cult fame. So you know, there's a possibility that Jim Jones may have borrowed this book to read at some point. I I'm, I I have nothing to go on to say he did. Mind I have nothing alone. to go on who said he didn't. Time is a flat fucking circle. <laughs> Um, Everything comes back around on itself. This is amazing. Holy shit. Well, but I did read this when I was a kid and knew of the radio controversy, which we'll get into a little bit more later. I'm just going to say as a dumb kid, I always got H.G. Wells and Orson Wells, and I kind of smushed them together into one (laughs) person. Um, So, right. There, there is that as, as a big dumb kid. I thought but, they were um, just related. I'm like, oh, okay. that's his brother or son or something. And no, no, I don't. Doesn't appear. But, but did um, you know that they did meet after? Uh, I want to say it was in the 40s. Um, okay. I I read. I forget. Well, I mean, the radio drama was was 38, so it's not a far cry to say the 40s, but. Um. He, they did actually meet after the whole radio controversy, which is, I mean, you think of War of the Worlds being this, almost at this point, just so old. I mean, it's 125 years old this year, which a good year to, to finally do this. That's, that's, amazing. A, that's a great year. 
<laughs> um, um, in case there's anybody out there who doesn't know, um, Chris, what is the controversy about the War of the Worlds? The radio show? Yeah. There, I mean, we, we may have, we may cater to some younger people who may not really know what that is, what the controversy is. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Wells had a, I don't know what you would call them back in the day, a production company, a drama company, uh, Mercury Theater on the air. And they had only been a thing for a few months prior to that Halloween Eve in 1938 when they presented the War of the Worlds. Um, and it had been a thing that was hard to finish, and they had went through a bunch of different drafts, and most everybody thought it was trash. But they finally, I don't know if they just kind of gave up and took like their last rewrite and was like, all right, that's as good as it's getting. Wells didn't seem that involved from what I read, at least with the rehearsals of it, but he'd listened to recordings of it. And then, yeah, um, long story boring. We get to that night and one of the most interesting, I would say <laughs> the most interesting radio story of all time is born where there is a panic that is in some articles you read would say mass hysteria where the public mm -hmm. listens in on this radio broadcast and thinks we're under attack by Martians and to be 1938 no TV you're just listening what would you do with yeah, that and the, the, you know, that, is, that is what I always thought I was always led to believe that there was like panic in the streets and right. just mass chaos across the country. Right. Me, same, but, same. Yeah, but apparently maybe that was a little overblown. Um, apparently there may have been some people who missed the kind of introduction at the start. Right. Um, and throughout the show, I think I saw one video that said that there were um, 11 or 12 times during the show that they repeated that this was a, a reading and had, you know, this is, this is just a production of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Yeah. But it, it was narrated in a way that if you missed those times, it was sounded like a radio broadcast. One um, thing that I read about radio stations at the time is that every half hour on the hour, they would take a station break, kind of like a bumper kind of a thing to be like, you're listening to whatever station, New York 107 or something. I think that they don't just take them. I think they're required to take them, and I think they still are. And But this, uh, during this broadcast, they didn't follow those rules for whatever reason, uh, whether it was manufactured, a thought of prior to, or just the format that they were doing. But the only thing that didn't follow those rules were news bulletins. So you listen into this and you don't get your station break, but you get this news bulletin, not on the half hour. I can see why that would be a little bit like, wait, 
what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like a big difference. It was t- uh, their their half hour break was something along the lines of forty minutes, but uh, still, when you have those kind of things that are somewhat set in stone, I would think that it's not hard to think that there was some kind of a panic, even if it was overblown. I did read about police being uh, showing up to the station and being like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> oh, and I did read that there were a large number of calls yes. to police stations, but it sounded like most of them were um, not reporting things, but actually like asking, like, hey, I heard this on the radio, is this real? Etc. Right. Um, and I did hear a few stories about maybe some people in Appalachia that like took off for the hills, and um, it was days before they could find them and talk them back home and convince them that it was all you know right. just a, a, a fake. But um, so there was clearly some panic, but maybe not the widespread panic. Um, terrible band. <laughs> that um, that you may have been led to believe. Um, yeah. Um, I I and and that the radio station. I heard the radio station and HG Wells himself kind of relished in that dude, that myth. I, yeah, I mean, radio was young at the time. Yeah. Now have um, um, I've read stuff about like you know, uh, kind of backwoods people shooting at water towers and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is funny, but I mean, if you take into account the time and, you know, you can't turn on CNN or bring up your, your fucking media, find out what's really going on. You just get these snippets. I would probably be kind of freaking out a little bit too, but, um, did you have uh, you have listened to some of it? What what are your thoughts on listening yeah. to it uh, now, or you know, since when you've heard it, parts of it? Um, so clearly, I'm not going to be fooled by anything. I I know the history. I know what I'm listening to. But I did hear it, and it is on. It is available on the YouTube's, and um, I want to say it's available on the. Spotify as well. Um, if it's not the radio broadcast, I know I did listen to also the um, the Moody Blues um, music album of War of the Worlds. Um, oh, that's not. But that, it, it is that, definitely that's Jeff Wayne, dude. Jeff Wayne. We'll get to that. Okay. I've got a whole thing on that. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but it is definitely on the YouTube, and I did oh, yeah. watch it, but I, ha- I I listened to it, and I had things going on as well, so I didn't give it my full attention. But um, it's it starts off, I mean, like, it seems legit yeah. at the time. They're talking about other things, and they, they have a, they're, they're um, are talking about... Live broadcasting this, like, kind of uh, band playing. Yeah, it's like a ball or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then they break in Raymond Brokello and his six-piece orchestra, or I, that, that, something like that. Yeah. And ben Folds and the Ben Folds Five. Yeah, right, and know, they they uh, play for 
I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute, and then they cut back in, and they're like, they didn't tell the story one-to-one like the original. Um, Right. They kind of Americanized it and brought it over to the United States and based it kind of over here, but God, my dad had a cassette tape when I was a kid. And he had a couple. There was a Superman one that was really cool, and they, and this one. And I really loved this one. And it 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 had this kind of uneasiness to me because knowing the stories of that kind of a panic and stuff, and there really is two parts to the to the play. Like the first part that we've been talking about, which is what you would think got people scared. But when you listen to the second part, it really is just a radio drama. Um, and then at the end, Orson Welles gives kind of a statement. And it, it's, it's just cool. It's a cool moment in time and certainly sci-fi, but there's something very horror about it that I even felt big time as a kid listening to it and really enjoy it it's it's a neat concept that you would play it so straight it's i mean it's to me i likened it to when i was listening to it and when i was thinking about this for the podcast it's the original found footage yes absolutely um it is not dressed up it is dressed down to appear authentic yeah and so you know it's it is that and uh you know probably one orson wells was very ahead of his time to do it the way he did it much like hg wells was probably you know very ahead of his time to write some of the things he wrote right you know um we we talked about the discovery of the canals and that maybe he wasn't the first one to write this uh, invasion story, but it's always hard to tell our science fiction writers predicting the future or are they influencing the future? Um, Good point. So. Good point. So to end the kind of radio thing, um, it has been recreated a few different times uh, mm-hmm. over the decades. The two most notable ones being in Ecuador in 1949 that led to a riot. And then in Brazil in 1971 that led to the, the military shutting the station down afterwards for a few days. <laughs> uh, 1971, people. Like, that's... Uh, it, it makes sense to me, though, because I do believe that um, as a species, as a whole, we're getting dumber. Like, uh, Idiocracy yeah. is not just a movie. It's happening. Very, so. very likely. I also, we're at each other's beck and call now, you know, whereas before... You know, we were around, you were around your people and your people only. So if you were, mm-hmm. you know, but now you're around everybody on the internet. So it's, you see more things and it'll be interesting. 
in the course of humanity. I wonder. I wonder sometimes. But what we don't have to wonder is what was the next adaptation of this movie, of this movie, of this book. Um, you know, we, we haven't really talked about the, the book itself. I mean, I guess, do we really need to? Because, I mean, it's a 125-year anniversary this year. Um, the, the story, what do you think of the story of War of the Worlds itself? I think it's great. I think it's very interesting. And I think it's the original story. And it's been a while since I've read it like through. Yeah. But the original story kind of rides that line of, you know, hey, science over everything. But then it also kind of fears into, and there's some symbolism with the destruction of the church and and things like that, mm-hmm. and the um, and it's prominent in several of the uh, movies, the retelling, especially some of those early 1950s uh, version, where the preacher man like gets his comeuppance, but or I don't know if comeuppance is the right word. He gets killed. Yeah, yeah, because he refuses to believe that. You know, God won't protect him. Yeah. But then it also veers into, well, the germs are here because God put them here to protect us. Right. Because God knew that these germs would be necessary in the future to protect us from, you know, the Martians. So it, it kind of straddles that line a little bit. But, it, you know, there are other things that are very prescient. Um, you know, can you imagine in... In in your wildest dream, would you imagine that in you know eighteen ninety, someone would basically predict the invention of a laser? Right. Um, that seems insane to me. The just mere presence of mind in eighteen ninety to to think ahead and say, you know, this alien population may not look like us. With just a different color skin, because I mean, you go to Star Trek, and then you know the aliens are basically just us with weird bone structures in their forehead or weird <laughs> skin coloring, but otherwise they're us. Yeah. Um, but you know, H.G. Wells went beyond that, and he said, you know, okay, they're gonna, they probably would have evolved in this manner, and that, uh, that would have done this to their physiology. Favorite, I would and, say my latest favorite part of. War of the Worlds. So I listened to the audiobook that I have. I got like an H.G. Wells collection on Audible years ago, and I listened to War of the Worlds, read by David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor, which was oh, fucking nice. rad. Nice. Um, but it scared the shit out of me at one point. I hope I can remember to come back to that. But uh, listening uh, to the description of the Martians and how their bodies are designed to work constantly 24 seven. They don't have use for their limbs like we do. So they have these tentacles and they don't have a need for sex and they kind of their offspring kind of buds off them like a plant, like a flower or something. Um, getting into that was fucking cool. Um, and how they're sustained by the blood of other organisms humans in this instance um and get blood transfusions to 
to kind of feed themselves, sustain themselves, I guess. Um, Almost like an alien vampire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, they were very described more along the lines of like a, a bear-sized octopus more than a little green man. Um, and certainly not like the weird little slimy brown creatures from the 53 movie or uh, like a Will Smith knockoff uh, War of the Worlds movie. Which we'll get into oh. later, um, but th- I really love love those moments. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about the novel before we can kind of move on from it, I it, it's interesting to me. He jumps around a lot, and kind of reveals the narrator lives uh, before the book's over. So some some element of suspense in those kind of harrowing moments is lost, <laughs> which is. I wish I could go back and be like, is this, is this what you want to do? Or, I mean, do you want to build suspense or are you just like, what? I don't know what you're, I don't love that, but there was that. And our narrator suffers a nervous breakdown at the end of the story, which is weirdly reassuring because you don't get that in, in horror and sci-fi when these big events happen. And you got to think like, uh, you know, you get to the end of the thing or or the fly or whatever anything and you've lived through this fucking traumatic thing are you gonna be okay (laughs) yeah that's kind of largely not unexplored these days but it's also very lovecrafty even though it predates lovecraft yeah so and i i very wild very wild stuff i really love that um any other things you want to talk about the book? I, I felt like we just kind of skipped over books, so I had, to, I had to bring us back. But any other thing you want to talk about the, the book before we launch forward 60 years? <laughs> um, no, let's, let's jump forward. Let's, let's uh, hop in a time, time machine, jump. Sherman. Let's go. <laughs> That's not how we said that, but Gene Barry, 1953. <laughs> I somehow, <laughs> a somehow more Americanized story even than Orson Welles of the 30s. Um, I liken it to a more of a Michael Bay movie of the 50s, if you can wrap your brain around that. That's kind of the way I view this movie. Um, but here it is. What, what, thoughts, opinions, Dave? Well, how do you, how you feel about this, this bad boy? Um, it is one. I always like one thing I like about watching older movies is the the cringe factor, like things that are said or done or attitudes that they had then that were obviously considered pretty normalized enough to be like this is on a mainstream movie, right? Um, you know whether you have like actors talking about people racially certain ways or most often it's actors talking about women certain ways or treating women certain ways and that's that's kind of normalized one of the interesting things about war of the worlds from 1953 is um one of the townsfolk is um is is a mexican 
and uh, or or Spanish descent. He's he's a Latino, um, and he talks about you know oh we can sell you know uh, tacos and hot dogs and it's like <laughs> and it's not you know I I wonder it, were audiences in 1953 going oh here we go with this woke bullshit <laughs> um, because of it and and clearly not. But it was just striking. Now the sexism. Hold on, before we leave the tacos, I gotta say, if there was a down cylinder somewhere, and we were there, if there was a taco truck, that would be rad. (laughs) Fuck yeah, that would be fucking rad. Oh my god. Uh, Look, it. I don't care how racist you are. Tacos make everything better. Absolutely. If I'm gonna get death raid, give me a taco beforehand. It ain't gonna be that bad. Uh, but the 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 hysterical women continue. Sorry, I just had to say taco truck makes everything. What the main female character of the movie is not hysterical. She's actually got a doctorate, but the scientist who just happens to be fishing in the area, who is an expert on astronomy and 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 physics, and you know maybe a do it all thing. Like uh, I don't want to go too far into my usual rant that Hollywood doesn't understand intelligence. <laughs> um, so he just knows everything. But um, she's got her doctorate and she's like, oh, I hope Dr. Whatever comes and, you know, maybe he'll come and, I, you know, he's dreamy and he knows everything and he yeah. does this and he wrote this the other day and he's like, oh, I know him and then he points to himself and she's like, oh, I didn't recognize you with your Clark Kent glasses and your five o'clock shadow. Are you George um, Reeves? You're dreamy. It is. It's kind of ridiculous, but he he <laughs> does. He's very flippant to the idea that she has a doctorate, and he just assumes, and correctly so, that she, if she has a doctorate, she must be a librarian. Like, is that the only thing a woman can do with a doctorate? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think think that's true. I mean, but the movie kind of, you know, uh, you know. Uh, I think there there is another female scientist later, but I'm I'm thinking I don't remember that she had more than like one or two lines. Is that so. when they kind of uh, get the the alien eye and? Yeah, yeah. Yep. That that part needed more stuff to happen. Uh, what do you think of the kind of try eye tentacle and then the brown skinned kind of alien with the suction cup hands? What do you think of that design? Before we get to the 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 flying machines. So it, when I try to put myself into the 1953 mindset, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty great. Um, they have the classic, like it's not a it's not a tripod, it's a flying saucer. Yeah. But then they just say, well, they have um the they actually have tripods. They're not actually flying. It's just that the legs are made invisible to the electromagnetic shielding. Yeah. But if they could do that, why not make the whole ship invisible? Um So that's kind of yeah. I, I'm that in should, my mind, be, I think it was just easier to make them float yeah. than it was to yeah. <laughs> make tripod legs. I thought the same thing. I mean, um, to a degree. Um, 
the yeah i mean i i like them for what it is the design of the of the creatures and the the, the kind of try i thing like in the 50s that maybe would have blown my mind um but then to see the i'm just going to call them the flying machines because i mean to call them tripods is it, 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 even though it is true it's n not at all um right it seems dumb to call it a yeah. tripod when there's not any visible legs i absolutely think that design itself is iconic yeah, oh yeah like you yeah. can't it's it's part of history it's so iconic um the I had the Criterion Collection Blu-ray, and there is some great uh, commentary, some great special features on the special effects. And they did stuff in this movie, like the kind of force-filled stuff, um, that they're not really sure how the fuck they did it. <laughs> like, okay. looking back, like, there's okay. a film historian uh, who's like, I mean, we've recreated, and they actually did in, in one of the special features, like, recreated kind of uh, a, a little bit of a scene with the, with the flying uh, machine and the force field, and they're like, this is the best we could do because we don't know what they did. And for it to be like that 70 years later is kind of amazing. I think it, yeah, I think it looks great. I thought yeah. the tripods looked great. I thought every bit of it looked great. I thought the depth, the the heat ray looked great. The first time they use it on um, our only um, minority member of the town, folks. <laughs> there are no black people in the town, so we will say that. Um, but the the only uh, minority member of the town is one of the three guys that waving the white flag and is like, yeah. "We'll show them the white flag. They'll understand. That means we mean you no harm." And they get mowed down by the heat ray. That. First shot of it is the worst example of that. But after that, it gets better. When they're mowing down like the the military guys, mm -hmm. like there are several times where they will have they'll like disappear, aka disintegrate. But then it, for a couple frames, there'll be like the black shadow left behind yes. before it finally yes. goes away. And I I thought it looked I thought it looked fantastic. I was super into it. Yeah. Um, uh, from start to finish. It's very so. spectacle for a 50s, an early 50s movie. It, there's so oh. much spectacle. A lot of miniature stuff, too, which is super, it really is. Uh, I mean, God, especially for that time, so well done. It had been done, yeah. well, 20, maybe 30 years later. Still well done in that regard. The, um, the um, and I'm sure it is miniatures, Stuff in the town where the um, ships are crashing into the the town and they destroy the the church and stuff like that. I, I, it it looks great. Yeah, and we'll, we will come back to fifty three War of the Worlds in a moment. We're going to take a quick diversion. Uh, something Dave brought up a little while ago. Uh, just uh, what we would say, like twenty. Five years later, 1978, Jeff Wayne comes out with this rock opera 
concept album that is it's got like this progressive rock almost vibe with synths and orchestral parts and just this there's some singing but a lot of like instrumental stuff and if you have if any of that like rings your dinner bell go check it out it's something i didn't even know about until like the mid-2000s and bought it immediately and i'm like where's this been all my life this is oddly it, one of my favorite things <laughs> it's actually it's available on spotify yes i did not get through the whole thing but i did listen to quite a bit of it it's a product and, of its uh, time as well you listen to it and be like oh that's oh, yeah, 78 yeah. but but i i put it on and um one day when i was cleaning the garage oh and just you know jammed out mm-hmm. while i was cleaning the garage and you know i I was totally, you know, I was totally cool. I, it's, if it is what it if, is. If you so. like progressive rock, not like super crazy, intricate, like crazy, almost uh, avant-garde stuff. It's not like that. It's still very accessible, but it's. I mean, a little dated. It is rock, dated. But. They did a. They had another version that came out in 2012 that has a liam nissan dave uh voiceover but it 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 just isn't as good as the original it just isn't as good um but i love i love this album and absolutely recommend it if if any of that sounds like something you would like do go check it out i highly recommend it um as the as the metal guy, it, this is not a metal album, <laughs> or the metal no, guys. Oh I should no. say. we're both oh. metal guys. But it's, this is this is its own thing. It's got a little bit of a rock thing, but I mean the uh, the singer for the Moody Blues does sing. I want to say is it Forever Autumn, uh, and yeah, uh, there's there's some singing. Anyways, anyways, I'm getting long witted. Check it out. It's great. Um, Jumping ahead 12 years nowadays. Something I can't wait to talk about. 1980s Fox TV series, The War of the Worlds. Which isn't immediately apparent that it is a continuation of a 1953 movie. I, I, am, I did not watch it. I know it exists, but I did not get to watch it, and I have never watched it. So. It's... It is also a product of its time, unfortunately. Okay. It is one of those uh, very early Fox TV shows. So it didn't have a great budget, um, but it's like from that uh, Married with Children, 21 Jump Street, Superboy. God, what other like immediately early Fox shows. But like it, ha- it, it's trying the best with what it has. And this is when Fox was trying to throw anything at the wall that would stick. Um, but it got three seasons i want to say um but just the fact that it is a continuation of 1953 gene barry movie and the aliens have been dormant uh they didn't die they just went dormant and they had uh they were put in storage by the government and they're breaking out and they're taking over human bodies so it's got a invasion of the body snatchers kind of uh line on this too um and And they bring Anne Robinson back to rep- to reprise her role from the 1953 film as the uh, I for- I forget the name of the character the the the, the librarian. 
but she's uh, been she's got some mental issues. She's got some PTSD. She's been uh, okay. she's had elect electrodes and shit to try to like deal with all this and find out what she knows and she's kind of uh lost her mind in 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 a way um but that said i mean we are now so that was 20 something years later i i would love another continuation of that keep keep it going like every 20 30 years just get back into it for a couple seasons It'd be super hot. Paris Hilton says yes. I, I, Probably. Yeah, I, I'm there for it. Um, it this this story. Uh, before we go into more, maybe another more modern telling, mm-hmm. has been so influential. Um, and it's easy to see, and we talk about it all the time. There's no truly original ideas. Like everything builds off of something. And, and, you know, you have War of the Worlds, you have elements of that in really every alien attacks, alien invasion movie that we have. Mm-hmm. From Mars Attacks, which yeah. we probably need to do on the show Absolutely sometime, need to, do. to Independence Day, um, you know, it, you, you have these stories. And, and really... Independence Day is the most modern, most directly influenced, I feel like, movie to War of the Worlds. Because you still have, you have a lot of the same, like, creature design with the tentacles. They have some forelimbs, um, but the, 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 they're weak. They have the big crested head to support their enormous brain. Um, so, yeah. Body's useless. It's all the brain. But we're gonna get we're gonna talk a little bit more about Independence Day uh here very soon. Uh are you ready to spring forward again, my friend? Sure, sure. We are moving from the eighties at a rapid pace to two thousand five. Where not one, not two, but fucking Three movie adaptations come out in the same year. Because, because, that's why. Obviously, this well, one, but two others, and, and 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 not open, not public domain yet. Yeah. <laughs> in two thousand five, so you know the whoever's controlling the rights at that time authorized three versions of this. Out at the same time, so. they were taking baths and hundred dollar bills in two thousand five. I tell you what, um, the first is the Asylum release featuring C. Thomas Howell, none other. <laughs> um, and the effects are very bad. Have you watched any of this movie ever? I I have seen some clips from it. Um, same. I saw one where it's they're not. If I remember right, they're not like tripods as much. They look more like mechanical crabs. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think uh, so. The Asylum so if that's... Studio is uh, 
the Sharknado guys, but before they were the Sharknado guys, they were the Transmorpher guys. They were those guys. The cash-in-on-summer-blockbuster guys. Um, and that should tell you the quality of what this is. But somehow, uh, maybe a pact with the devil. It got a sequel, which I've not seen anything about. I didn't try to watch it for this. Because Invasion? Something like that. Um, but yeah, with, with another C. Thomas Howell. Not another, but... It's really amazing that they actually acquired the rights and didn't just be like, Worlds of the War. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In... <laughs> uh, the next one, still in 2005, we get the Pendragon release, uh, which features actors and also actresses. That's a joke I wrote in my notes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Nobody has a name in this movie. Uh, they, they, I, I mean, it's, it's literally bottom tier budget, the worst effects. But unfortunately, it's about the most faithful adaptation you can get <laughs> to the original novel. Okay. Um, and the CGI looks bad for any point in history. Gene Barry in 1953 would look at this and be like, you need to start over. Uh, the uh, that is the one I've seen the, a still image of the alien, yeah. and it really does look like an octopus. Yeah. But it's... But the, the tentacles are super thin and spindly. It, there's... there's uh, I think they made models of things, but then they applied it in that Tommy Wiseau, the room kind of fashion with like green screens and shit behind them for the backgrounds which looks immediately terrible and immediately fake and they use that for the martians as well but if you see the the actual physical martians that they created they don't look bad but when they applied them in the movie they look flat and terrible um and they've re-released this a couple times tried to re-edit it and shit and i mean even though when I say a, a more faithful adaptation to the novel, that still doesn't mean it's good, unfortunately. Um, sure, sure. But that said, those two out of the way, let's talk. Is it set? Is it set in yeah. the late 1800s? Yep. Oh, okay. It is. And okay. It, it, it does that kind of thing that Wells did where the narrator goes to the cylinder that has crashed. And it's like, well, this is interesting. Let me go home and tell my wife. Three days later, I went back to the cylinder. <laughs> it's uh -huh. like kind of laissez-faire uh, until... Enthralling narration. Yeah. And it's kind of slow, but it's... it. Check it out if that seems like it's up your alley, but... Uh, let's go now. Same year. We're not traveling years. We're not time traveling, Dave. Spielberg, Tom Cruise, The War of the World. So I have watched this 2005 version several, several times. Speak me and, the truth, my friend. Yeah, I, I think we fall on different sides of the spectrum for this. And maybe we're not quite as far apart as opposites. But I, I think it's generally good. Um, Tom Cruise will not do a movie unless they feature a scene with him running directly at the camera <laughs> for at least 90 seconds. Right. Um, 
So you do have this. You you do have a very humanized story, but um, like his character in the 2005 is a, is a dick. And yeah. so this is the version I'm most familiar with, though, um, movie and TV wise. Yeah, like this is the version I'm, I'm most familiar with. So, School us, my friend. Uh, you have a young Dakota Fanning as his daughter. You've got. Um, uh, his teenage son, who's the rebellious son, as, as, is, a, a is, dick in training, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. Come from the same steals his cherry fucking Mustang and and fucking wrecks yeah. it. Um, they were made for each other. Yeah, uh, he's a chip off the old yeah. block. Um, but not Martians. But, not Martians in this in this joint. Essentially, no, maybe. No. I mean, possibly still. But I don't think they. I don't think they, they don't, ever. Yeah, say they where they say, come from. but they're not explicitly Martians like the other yeah. adapt, adaptations. They come from the ground. Uh, whether they've been buried for who knows how long or or what. Well, the machines are buried. Yeah, the pilots come down in the lightning. Oh, fuck, uh, I forgot about that. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I think they got some really cool scenes where, That's like, hard. even when the when they first come up out of the ground, the machines, yeah. and they they fucking uh, just vaporize some people. Yes. Um, and uh, I thought that was very cool. Um, the, the 53 version does have, like, the city riot and people just destroy and loot the scientists. Like, okay, what is my scientific instruments going to help you any at this point? Like, that's not going to help you survive anything, you know? But, um, but they do. And humans are not rational creatures, and time is a flat circle, so um, I could see it going down that way. Um, but I, I actually really like the Tim Robbins character. Who is the guy that gets uh, is in the basement with um, Tom Cruise and his daughter? Uh, he's so fucking creepy. Like he's trying to rally uh, Tom Cruise to his side to fight against the uh, aliens, but at the same time, he's like, seems like he's got his eye on the little daughter too. So he's really creepy. Um, and he talks about, you know, if your dad's dead, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll protect you. You just stay with me. But I, I don't know. He is creepy in the same way that his character in, uh, uh, the pick of destiny is creepy and, and, you know, has his ulterior motives. Um, Tim Robbins is such a, he's a national treasure, highly underrated actor. National Treasure, Tim Robbins. But, um, you know, you have that scene, and that is yeah, yeah. the similar scene to what you see in 53 in the basement with the tentacles coming in and the aliens. Um, yeah, that is my favorite part but of, it, of the 2005, it, is the Tim Robbins underground. Also, call him back real quick to the H.G. Wells, the original. Uh, mm-hmm. Where the narrator, the, uh, is it the curate that's with him, gets hysterical 
Yeah. And the aliens are prowling outside yeah. or patrolling. Uh, and he has to knock him out. Which leads to his being captured by the aliens. Probably to his death. Um, and you're like, wow, our hero just killed that guy. I mean, obviously he had no choice, but I mean, it, it makes you feel different ways. And I mean, the Tim Robbins thing in Ooh. this, I mean, the guy's obviously broken mentally. And then, like you said, he's kind of a, of a creep with, with the girl. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, there's, there's a lot of layers and, and, there. Yeah. I, I could have seen him like throwing Tom Cruise under the bus, throwing him to the aliens it, it, to get away with the girl. I mean, you know, there's just so much could have happened there. And, yeah. And Tim Robbins is, plays it perfectly. Like I said, he, he is definitely a, a national treasure here. Um, but, but, um, I think it's right after this, Dakota, uh, the, the daughter does get taken prisoner. Yeah. And Tom has to give himself up to, um, to stay with her. We get the red. Uh, it the ends red, up in the, the first takedown of one of the machines. In this, uh, which. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. think it'd been in any other version before this, weirdly. Yeah, it's in the book. It's in, yeah. That yeah, they're yeah. kind of. It's it's in the book the the red weaves and then the or the weeds and then the um, book also has the black toxic cloud. Oh, yes, yes, I we, and this like I I don't think anything else does does the toxic cloud that I remember. Um, the the two thousand five with Tom Cruise here they do do like when they take prisoners they're like always shitting out the blood to fertilize these red plants. Yeah. So, the God, a a, a, pr a proper take on this right now would just I would love with the with the gas with the navy the the Thunder Child. Uh, we get the the escape by ferry in this. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't... Which was pretty neat, but they're dead. Yeah, we don't get the big uh, ship come in to fight the tripods like the original story that was very harrowing and very, like, kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it, 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 it damages a tripod, which, you know, we're trying to fight these things. What do you do? And, and then... You think it's destroyed, then it comes out and it's on fire and it destroys another one by ramming into it. Like, that is prime real estate for some modern special effects. Um, but that said, that said, what do you think of the CG in this? Um, I, I think it's, oh, oh, I think it's okay. I think it's passable. Granted, it's almost, you know, it's years. 2005. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, so. But I, I think it's okay. At this point, it's okay. You know, you're, it's, I feel like it is easier to do a ship than it is to do a person's face. Yeah. Like, we, we're just too good evolutionary-wise at picking out faces and picking out something wrong with faces. Yeah, too. So, so we were... I thought the CG was okay. The Flash, I just watched. Uh, and going into the controversy on that one, but... 
there is some CGI in that on human faces, human characters, where you're just like, did you run out of money? You're a fucking comic book movie. But anyways. <laughs> um, I didn't read it. I saw an article the other day, and I purposely avoided it because I haven't watched The Flash yet, and I want to avoid spoilers, and I was afraid it would be spoiler. But it, it sounds like somebody in the production of The Flash made it sound like, oh, no, we we purposely held back on the special effects. We didn't want them to look too good. And I I'm, don't I don't buy that. Like, I don't what? I don't, I, I don't even need to watch it, and I don't yeah, buy that. I've read a theory. You know, like, I've read a theory. Uh, we'll get into that maybe at the end of the show. I've read a theory. Um, okay. I've read a theory. But, um... Yeah, I, I do believe there's intentional low budget, and, and you can have big budget that's intentionally made to look low budget, but that's a totally different than not pulling off special effects i think low oh. budget or sorry big budget trying to look low budget it, it obviously works way better than low budget trying to look big budget like the pin dragon movie like we're going to replace all the backgrounds we're going to green screen the whole fucking shit and it's going to be fabulous no it's going to look fake and cheap as soon as you put this out <laughs> yeah i mean that almost sounds like they were putting money into special effects that were unnecessary yeah, like you're already creating a model just do like a a map um painting behind or something like I that mean, i mean go ask miss pennyworth next door if you can sit at her window and just film outside of it with the guy sitting at his desk sure. rather than putting him anyways <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the 2005 does have featured Gene Barry and Anne Robinson, by the way. Does it? Uh, in cameos. I didn't know that. So, Where yeah. were they? According to according to IMDb, Gene and Anne are the grandfather and grandmother. <gasps> really? I see. I so. did not rewatch. I I watched some scenes over again, but I did not go back and rewatch the full movie. I am kicking myself in the in the ass now. Wow. What a cool fucking thing. That's cool. The last thing. I mean, Spielberg, man. It's a very Spielberg movie. Um, I feel like it's a little bit more than it's Spielberg. It's kind of a... It's kind of... Well, it's dark Spielberg. I, I'll go that far. It's dark what do you Spielberg. Think of the design of the alien? Does it remind you of anything that we've talked about already? Does it remind <laughs> Um... Independence Day, perhaps. The, 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 and it's, yeah, but like I said, Independence Day is is very much based on those original designs. Yeah, with the, with it's the, like you know, it, we're we're doing the time as a flat circle kind of a thing. Like, it, 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 to me, you could have taken that monster out of the Independence Day suit, like in the whole scene with uh with with Data, and put him in this, and it wouldn't be that different. Um. Yeah, it was yeah. very similar. Um, but I mean, like you said, it's a derivative of that, and you know, it does what it needs to. Yeah, it. it I, I mean, they're they are very similar concepts, um, or very similar look, very similar design. So yeah, 
Uh, anything, anything else you want to say on Spielberg's version before we time travel like, once more? Maybe a couple times. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on. All right. Now we're gonna, not going to stick too long on this next one, but 2012, Dave, saw a little Malaysian animated feature called War of the Worlds Goliath, which is set... I didn't even know this existed until doing this research. Uh, has a smattering of B-tier celebrities as well as voice actors. It's got this anime kind of thing, but it's set um, 15 years after the original novel. But we have used okay. this technology from the, from, the, from the Martians and have kind of developed our world into this kind of steampunk kind of thing. And humans have developed their own fighting machines. And, of course, the Martians are going to come back for round two now. And it becomes a very anime, giant battle-y kind of thing, which ain't my kind of tech, cup of tea. Tech suits, mech suits. And shit like yeah, that. It's, it goes a little too far into that regard. But the, that basic premise is cool. Uh, it's like this alternate history kind of a thing with that. Um, I, I'm looking at it on IMDb, and I'm seeing... Nikola Tesla is a character. Yes. Theodore Roosevelt. Yep. Uh, Robert Wells. I mean, just so it's, it's a cool is, idea that, that I was cool. like, well, I guess I I have to at least mention it, or one of the rabble is going to demand I cut one of my fingers off and and sell it. And you're running out. You're yeah, running I, out of those. I only have my claw hand left. <laughs> um, Take my good hand. So fast forward a couple more years, 2019, we're almost in modern day. Holy shit. I guess that probably is considered modern day. Um, but reminiscent of 2005, uh, we get two series uh, in 2019 because that's why I, I wrote that joke. Um, one set in nice. modern time with Gabriel Byrne of no less. Uh, and it pulled off three seasons. It was uh, on Epics or like something like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I never, I watched one episode that was free and then didn't feel compelled to follow that up. Like they used sound to kill humans initially. And it was kind okay, of. That's different. Uh, it does a different thing, but I, it just didn't hit with me. Um, the other series, I'll, this one was a mini series, I think. Um, but this was set kind of in that kind of time of the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, but it, it aired within a month of the other show. Which is so wow. stupid. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this tries to be closer to the book, but it still like misses the mark like they tend to do. Like you see the, the tripod design, and it kind of looks like a crab too. And it's got this those same kind of we're making a sci-fi movie, so the lights have to have this blue hint to them. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah, yeah. And it, you're just like yeah. I've seen this in 2019. Times. You would hope that we would be on that, but yeah. we are not. Yeah. Um, real, real quick, Gabriel or um, what's his name? Gab uh, Gabriel Byrne. Gab Gabriel Byrne. Uh, yeah, I will never remember his name. He is always to me. He's always going to be not Kaiser Soze. <laughs> but I do I do like him. I do like him as a character actor. And hereditary, man. Hereditary. 
Yes. Um, yeah. The the feckless father in yes. Thoris there. Uh, so it might as well not even be there. <laughs> the last adaptation that uh, I have in my notes, and we won't talk about it for very long, but uh, literally just this year, April 2023, War of the Worlds, The Attack. Excuse me, War of the Worlds, colon, The Attack. Uh, it is War of the Worlds, better. Attack on Your Colon. It, it, it is shot better than some of the 2005. Um, it doesn't look bad. Um, is it British? Yes. It's British. It is. Um, yeah. It's got some effects that look like they would have been outdated 15, 20 years ago, but it's. And, and plus, they try to really put the humor in. If you watch the trailer, you're going to be like, oh, what? Um, but the, uh. the acting isn't terrible, but they do that. Uh, I'm 30 years old, but pretend that I'm 16, okay? And they have this band of three characters that have to ride their bikes everywhere because, well, that may just be kind of a British thing. But like they are playing up that they're younger kids and they are none under it, 25. Or, or they're banking on getting the Stranger Things people. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. And it kind of feels like it is trying to uh, jump on the back of that a little bit. Somebody picked up the wrong message from Stranger Things. Yeah. They're like, you know what the Americans love? People on, kids on bikes. Hey, you have a cousin, right? How old is he? 33. Could he pass as 16? Uh, no. Yeah. Good enough. <laughs> um, but it's, <laughs> I oh, mean, as bad I'm as I'm watching the trailer, and there are some pretty, pretty gnarly disintegration effects that look really I mean, cool. There are some effects that aren't bad, um, but like when you get into the movie, they're so spread out because it, it, it doesn't have a great budget. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's not the best by far. It's not the worst. Not quite as far, but it exists. So, uh, okay. And there's Lastly, there's been some video game adaptations. We won't get into that. We may have to do a video game horror episode at some point. Yeah, I'm all for it. I kind of, um, going through the week, I kind of watched some trailers and some gameplay from the video game, and uh, it looks pretty dope. There is, a, there is a new PC game that is in the works, early access. But it's a fucking survival game, which I guess makes sense, but I fucking am so tired of survival shit. As a piece yeah, I, I saw some. Ugh. I saw some gameplay where, like, if you if you go up to this uh, neighbor and shine the flashlight in his eyes, he'll he'll tell you about the other neighbor that <laughs> is a gun nut, but now he's missing, and so then you know to go in his house and get a gun. Yeah, it, I, there there's some. I will see. There's, I mean, there's the premises there. You just gotta get the people, to, the right people, to do it. Um, and it, I mean, uh, at its heart, the book and the story is just survival. You just, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you know the spoiler, if you know the end, you just have to live long enough for the germs to take over, uh, or to to kill the aliens. So, yeah. Which, from a medical standpoint, if you want to go give that a quick um, talking about. 
it's not entirely far-fetched that maybe they have developed medicine to the point that like, they're not exposed to germs, but that's really, it. I take it back, it really is very far-fetched. So I'm not going to give you exact numbers because I've been drinking, <laughs> but you have a, a 140 million cells in your body. And nearly half of them are not human cells; they're bacteria cells. Like we're not we're not just us; we are an amalgamation of organisms. From the time you're born, you are born with bacteria in your gut that helps you break down food. Um, at about the age of six weeks, your skin <laughs> is colonized with the bacteria that protects you from infection and it's kind of like you know you the good bacteria take up so much space there's no room for the back, bad bacteria to move in so you know the idea that right that maybe some clearly life can ex, can go in so many divergent ways in other environments that is absolutely true um, that's one of the best things about this book and the idea of the tripods and the evolution of these uh, aliens, the Martians. I, I really love all that thought process. But it's, you know, in a it, way, it, I, I, I could, I could be totally stupid. Sounds stupid when we find the aliens and like, nope, you know, they don't have bacteria in their body. But hard to believe that. You could really have something develop long enough to develop an intelligence and not be synergistic in some way with something else. The way, I mean, you make a great point. And you've kind of turned my brain a different direction thinking of that. And I, I'm not thinking so much of it as just the bacteria, like the common cold or whatever is what killed them. But more, you have this intelligent race, this intelligent creature, creatures um, that have prospered and have, have developed their bodies and their environment in these ways. Uh, and ultimately, what kills them is almost happenstance. It's not even something, you know, um, which is, I mean going back to the to the original the hg the wells story like maybe it was somewhat of this divine intervention like um i i mean it is is it divine or is it nature i don't oh yeah i mean i i, I like the the idea of it like this infinitely smarter creature is is beaten just by kind of randomality is, is randomality a word <laughs> it is now uh, randomality is, is now. a flat circle is all i gotta say ha hashtag randomality <laughs> if that's not a new thing in the next mortal Kombat, i don't fucking want it brutality babality randomality Dave, I have a question, or maybe like a quick sure. discussion, if we have time, okay. before we end this War of the Worlds. 
show. Um, and it may be a little bit too broad. It may be just enough for its own show. What would we like to see in a future adaptation? Like, what would be the ultimate for us? Like, is there like a film? limited series what would you like to see and let's uh just talk for a minute and see where we end up i i think if you i think to take it to the next level you almost have to take some of the circumstance out of it some of the happenstance some of the Hashtag randomality out of it. <laughs> now that's so my if favorite, you do, Dave. You're breaking my heart. If you do a limited series, and now you have scientists that we have to engineer a, a virus or a bacteria that will defend us against the aliens, then I think you add something else and you add something for the conspiracy theories to be like see right you know uh hashtag fauci for prison um <laughs> i feel so, like i feel like you are kind of right like it ha it can't be i mean it depends on how faithful you want to be to the to, to the book right or to the story overall um do you want it to end that way because people will know that already or do you want to swerve them how much do you want to swerve them and i mean you know uh, um i think point i think it depends day the way they did their sequel where okay now what is the fallout from the original like we didn't just oh we beat them and then forget they existed like right. we incorporated their technology and their knowledge into our society, but then they came back in new ways. And and you know, if you wanted to keep continuing, there's also that possibility. Okay, so they died because of the germs that were here, or because we engineered germs to attack them, what whatever it was. But then we're going to adapt their technology, and they're going to come back with reinforcements or with you know now better knowledge of the of the microbiology of earth right and um, so. smaller machines something that i think would be uh kind of cool uh first off i think we need like a director that's gonna like take this serious and like okay. put some okay. put some respect on it and really try to bring it into a real world. Maybe a Nolan. Oh, Christopher Nolan. Um, He's just the first one I thought of. I'm not stone cold set on that. Um, but I feel like the Martians and the machines, and I feel like they do need to be Martians. Because fuck it, why not? <laughs> like, it needs to okay. be Martians. They need to be more dangerous somehow figure that out and it may be i was thinking maybe more of a clover field at least to start off aspect uh so what if what what if they are martians but they're not on mars when we get to mars and we've started colonizing mars ooh. and they just return home 
and find us we're colonizing their planet. That'd be a good And they're point. and they just assume like, oh, the these fucking humans, we left them alone when we went to explore the oh. the universe. And here they've done this to us. So then it's them thinking they're getting revenge on us for destroying their home planet when really that's not how it went down. We've outstepped um, our bounds. And then Yeah, and they kick our ass and send us back to earth and then i i I think just seeing us there would be a great like starting point to where they're like no we're now we're gonna come to you and fucking dick in the dirt i would like to see uh a more slow build to the to the machines and to even a more slower build to seeing the martians themselves um and really get a little bit more of a horror thing um, but I think, uh, I wouldn't say more than all, but like a big thing I would like to see is some more of that anatomy that HG Wells had, because I think that's so cool. Uh, and really try to explain it in some kind of movie setting. Like they have no need for limbs like we do or like appendages. Uh, so they have these fucking tentacles. They don't have a need to eat, so they don't have a digestive system and the offspring and all that shit would be super. It would make it feel more alien to me, I think. So, so, um, that gives me two ideas. One, um, what if our director was, and I, I've given him my share of grief. Uh, I think we both have. Oh no, don't say David but, Gordon Green. No, I'm saying M. Night Shyamalan. Um, because he he did that beautifully with signs. Like yes. holding back and not showing anything yeah. until later in the movie. So I I would if I was producing it and hiring him as my director, the first conversation is gonna be look, we don't have to have some crazy big finale twist. We don't have to that. I would rather have a few surprises along the way than to have this big twist at the end. Because I I kind of feel like he was has been a victim of his own success. That would where, be a twist by not having one. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like he's letdown? really forced that twist in there. I feel like he's forced that twist. Oh, yeah. But like I said, I, I still want surprises. I still want surprises. I, you can even have a big surprise. There's this, to me, there's a difference between a surprise and a twist. Now, so we know fans of the OG know that they're more of this octopus kind of tentacled creature. I mean, it, it, when they when you see them for the first time, I feel like that would itself be a swerve. Um, they're like, oh, what? I feel like a lot of people would be like, they're not little gray, big eyed things, little gray men. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many. Th- we could do a whole episode on this. We would have to fucking do more things like this. It's just fun to talk about what we would like to see in. <laughs> a, 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 oh no, I, I'm adaptation. I'm down the rabbit hole with you, man. I enjoy yeah, this. Yeah, it it would. God, we just may have to to do our. Uh, do a mock script one day for something just sure. to see 
Or not even a script, just like some kind of an outline. Let's see what we come up with. Um, but okay. Do you so, so my other casting thing that you kind of guided me towards in my mind is what if this is going on and one of the scientists that we have to pull in is uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm? Or, or um, Bloom himself, but, huh? Yeah, the, the Bloomster. And, uh, you know, when he's not busy marveling at uh, the cloning of dinosaurs, then he's now being tasked with helping to defend Earth from this, uh, this alien race that has wiped out the Mars colony and, and is now headed to Earth. I Dude, and he was in the uh, 70s Body Snatchers. So throwback, callback to that, I wouldn't say throwback, or not even callback, like, what do you say? Tip of the hat? Acknowledgement. <laughs> uh, Acknowledgement. Yeah. Acknowledgement. Uh, um, yeah. I, I mean, you could, oh, so many options, so many options. Um, or you just go all unknowns, which, uh, there's merit in that. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Film or some kind of mini series, or just a TV, like HBO series or something, or just TV series? Fuck it. Uh, what do you feel? You know what? I what do you feel. I I want to start with the TV series. I want to take the time and really build characters that are important to me. And uh, you know, we you could at a later point, especially if you're holding off on the reveal. What if some of these characters that you come to know and love are, um, you find out have been swayed, pulled into the plot of these aliens and are actively working with them, a la uh, They Live? Potential. If you may, that might that may be a step too far, but I you know right we're right now we're just throwing shit at the wall. So yeah, yeah. If you want to hear us talk more about what we would like to see in our own kind of made up uh, adaptations for stuff, let us know because it's just fun to talk about. <laughs> Anything else, Dave? You want to talk about War of the Worlds before we end? Do you? I mean, I don't know how you can rate this. I don't know if we can rate. This, uh, without going into individual incarnations of it, but uh, thoughts, final thoughts, I guess. Maybe we'll just do that. Um, final thoughts, super cool, super influential story. Um, definitely feels ahead of its time, but um, the different adaptations really. Speak of the times they were made and the attitudes, and the the 1953 is so classic, and yet I and I knew so much of it, but had never seen it, and so you know, uh, being able to take the time to see it now, and um, it is, it was great. It was it was not lost on me. Um, I I do like the 2005 movie. Uh, so I'm going to rate 
if I was rating those two, um, the 1953, I'm probably going to give it a, a seven and a half because it's just so okay. iconic. And the 2005, um, you know, I I don't know that it's really got any bad moments. That Tom Cruise is a dick, but I don't think that's um, I don't think that detracts for me. That he's a dick and has to learn how to <laughs> be a parent and be responsible. You know, he up until right. this disaster, you know, he's he's a dad, but he's not a father. He's he's uh, you know a child who who um, has no responsibility to anybody but himself, and he learns um, that. So I'm going to give the 2005. Uh, 7.5 as well. Wow. Fair enough. What would you rate the Orson Welles broadcast? Um, you had to give it a number. Whatever so, qualifiers you feel. Sure, sure. So even, I mean, it's not, it's what, 20, less than 20 years before the 1953. And so the 1953 to the 2005, you know, you got 52 years difference, and they got the same rating. The, the Orson Welles is is not 20 years before the 53, and so, but I feel like it is ahead of its time, but I also felt let down because there's so much I don't know maybe I'm just a visual guy because there it doesn't it happens in 50s movies too and it happened in the 50 remake in the radio broadcast there's times where like there's you know he's at a ball and these things are going on and you hear all this background noise but then everything everyone will go silent so he can give his line and there's you know five six seven eight nine ten lines and then right on cue, the background noise comes up and the babbling of people. And it's it feels artificial. Um, uh, you know, I, I, it is iconic. I won't give it a 7.5, but I would probably give it a 6.5. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Any, any of them you would like to rate, you know, not, not it's obviously that's not kind of what we were going into thinking yeah. when we're doing um, such a broad topic, but God, I've seen, how would you rate the Jeff Wayne um, album? How would you rate some of the TV shows? <laughs> uh, the TV show could just randomly start with the, the Fox TV show. Uh, just on premise alone, I'd give it an A, but uh, uh, on execution, you gotta, you gotta knock a a solid point off just because of no budget, like kind of cheesy. Uh, maybe a point and a half, <laughs> um, but worth checking out if you're a fan of War of the Worlds, uh, especially Fifty Three War. Um, but to continue that path, Fifty Three War of the Worlds. Um, I also would give that a. You did you give it a seven point five? Because that's where I'm going. Want to say that's where you landed? Yes, yes, I did. I think that's uh, I absolutely agree. Um, 
Now to jump back to the future, uh, to 2005, see Thomas Howell, I give one. <laughs> Pendragon, I give okay. uh, 0. 0.1. 0. 0.05, sorry. I got ahead of myself. Um, no, it, it's, not, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, they're, that, they're I was going to say, that's not, harsh. Yeah. Harsh. I'm being facetious. I'm not even going to rate them. They're not my cup of tea. Uh, you may like them. That's fine. Uh, but uh, Spielberg, Tom Cruise, six. I'm going to give it a six. I like parts of it. The okay. Tim Robbins, I'm in agreement absolutely with you, is fantastic. Some of the effects are weirdly blurry to me watching it now. I, I may need to get this bitch in 4K and watch, watch her again. See, yeah, she stands up, but. Uh, War of the Wheel Worlds, the attack four. Okay. Which, you know, some ideas are in there. <laughs> some human ideas exist in this movie. Oh. <laughs> um, that, that, that does not sound great. Yes. And then now to go back uh, to Orson Welles, I'm going to rate the radio broadcast a little higher than you uh i'm gonna give it a 7.5 okay uh okay. and the book itself like i said i had i have my problems with the book itself uh i think there are some issues pacing wise and structurally um that could have you know there may be some hg wells purists that would want to crucify me for this but you know you're revealing your end of your story before you're to the end of your story. That doesn't build suspense. That removes suspense, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, still, how can you not? I, I, I feel like I am obliged to have to give it a nine out of 10, even with that, because of just the, what it did. And being the the OG, even though it's there was one at least before it, um, it is the OG alien invasion story mm-hmm. that influenced mm-hmm. the whole goddamn genre. Um, and I've I've loved it since I was a kid. I'll continue to love it, and I'm sure if there's another one that comes out, I'll watch it. And uh, I will say, uh, if we, if we could get Sasha Tai. The new Supergirl in uh, in our in our new version. Okay, uh, let's go okay. ahead. Let's go ahead and get that to happen. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure we can. I'm very okay with that. Um, I mean, I'll use a good three quarters of the budget just for that. Um, if Rabble, if you can let her know uh, about potential uh, casting call for that to come up uh, and to be ready to just go ahead and accept it blindly be great and that's all i have to say about that uh, <laughs> all right all right you heard it here folks just accept what you're being told right here hashtag uh horror house chris is mainstream media um, hey time is t- media is a flat circle you're a flat circle we're all media is a round square <laughs> Uh, let's um if you have something that you want to input what is your favorite 
iteration of the story, where would you take it next? What would you like to see done with it? Um, we haven't even talked about the pop culture references um, oh, yeah. outside of just a few and the parody stuff. And um, so tell tell us what you think, where you're at. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter, DM, or uh, just tag us in a tweet at sweetness, one with six E's in sweet, or at Horror House 2, because there are two of us. You can email us, horrorhousepodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the Horror House page on Facebook. You can hit us up on Slasher. I'm Horror House Dave. I am Horror House Horror Chris. House Chris. No. Uh, hit us up on Slasher, you know, the social media app for horror fans. Remy, bitch. That'd, that'd be a good shirt. Bumper sticker, maybe. Are bumper stickers yeah. still a thing, really? Uh, bumpers are still a thing, so. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> Last but not least, do rate us wherever you're listening, whatever platform. Click them stars, click them hearts, click them likes if you like us, Whorehouse Boys. Uh, and do share us around with your friends, Dave. You know what I was thinking the other yeah. day before we leave? What's that? I've not thrown a I've not had the rabble throw a phone at their friend in so long. It's time. I mean, this is the perfect time. Not only if they throw phones at friends, not only, Chris, are they sharing the horror house, but they're preparing their friends for the incoming invasion. This is true. This is absolutely true. I was, I was, I was listening to some uh, of our our older shows and i was like holy shit throw a phone at your friend i forgot that was that just naturally phased itself away from the show and i was like holy shit it was I, a, I it, did that you became a, a kinder gentler chris I apparently did horror house has made me a better person and it can make you a better person too so, so like and subscribe <laughs> Uh, uh, share it with your ex so they can become better people. Yeah, yeah. Share it with anybody. Your pastor. Um, and and Sasha, Supergirl. I think I pronounced her last name wrong, and I'm afraid to try to say it again. But uh, we'll, we'll just call her Supergirl for now. Yeah. If I don't see her again, as Supergirl, what's this life been for? Anyways, uh. We will be back next week with more horror, man. And ladies. So stick around. And it'll be cool. It'll be cool. Whatever it is. Uh, and until then, Dave, same cemetery, different grave. Right on. You nailed it. Nailed it. Until I will forget to do it. And then it, it just disappears. Is, um yeah that's that's probably just as likely is that how oh. shows in dave do people just forget that they existed uh, is, I, it probably is that probably. how the whorehouse will end one day we just forget to do it never the whorehouse will never end <laughs> uh we will slash and burn till the end of time